Welcome to the Unstoppable Recording Machine Podcast. And now your host, Al Levy. Welcome to the URM Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. It's crazy to think that we are now on our seventh year. Don't ask me how that all just flew by, but it did. Man, time moves fast. And it's only because of you, the listeners. If you'd like us to stick around another seven years, and there's a few simple things you can do that would really, really help us out. I would endlessly appreciate if you would, number one, share our episodes with your friends. Number two, post our episodes on your Facebook and Instagram and tag me at URM Audio and at URM Academy and, of course, our guest. And number three, leave us reviews and five-star reviews wherever you can. We especially love iTunes reviews. Once again... Thank you for all the years and years of loyalty. I just want you to know that we will never charge you for this podcast, and I will always work as hard as possible to improve the episodes in every single way. All we ask in return is a share, a post, and tag us. Oh, and one last thing. Do you have a question you would like me to answer on an episode? I don't mean for a guest. I mean for me. It can be about anything. Email it to me at al at urm.academy. That's E-Y-A-L at U-R-M dot A-C-A-D-E-M-Y. There's no dot com on that. It's exactly the way I spelled it. And use the subject line, answer me al. All right, let's get on with it. Welcome to Mix Crit Monday. I'm Al Levy, and with me is co-host Joel Wanasek. Hello, Joel. Hello, Al. How are you? Good, man. It's been a minute since we've done a Mix Crit Monday, hasn't it? Yeah, that's because I hate doing Mix Crit Mondays because <laughs> critic critiquing is yeah. kind of like a negative thing, and I'm a positive dude, and I understand the value of you know like offering good feedback for somebody, but at the same time, I hate doing it because it's like I feel like when I'm doing it, it's negative, and I'm not trying to be negative. Yeah, I agree. Like uh, one of the reasons that I haven't done this in a long time is because I I don't like. Uh, what could be seen as shooting down people's mixes. But I just want to say that we're not shooting down your mixes. I just want to open up with that. Feedback is one of the best things you could possibly get in your life if you want to actually get better at something. And so when I give feedback, I try to be as straightforward and honest as possible. Even if it hurts to hear it, it's a really, really good thing. I know that in my life, when I've gotten feedback from people it was the best when they were just to the point about it like nobody nobody gets helped by yesing them or kissing their ass or beating around the bush like you know if people are submitting their mixes to the roctagon they are hoping to get some feedback so that they can get better. And so if any of this sounds harsh, I don't mean the mixes, I mean our feedback. If any of this sounds harsh, just know that we are doing it with love. Yeah, and with the hope that um, the people who we are critting get better and actually learn from this. So I'll say this, we're not just going to crit your mixes. Those of you who we picked all get a free month of Enhanced with one contingency. During that month of Enhanced, you have to book a one-on-one with Joe Scaletta. All three mixes, uh, well, all three mixers get a free month of URM Enhanced. Now, how did we pick these mixes? They're just chosen at random from the Roctagon. 
that's literally all there is to it. But uh, should we get into it or is there anything else you want to add before we jump right in? I mean, I'm ready to go other than just saying the best mentors are the most that are the hardest on you. And I think it's um, it's good. People need their ass kicked from once in a while in a positive way. <laughs> yes. I mean, dude, seriously, have you ever benefited from someone who could help you not being straightforward with you? I mean, the mentors I've had in my life, two people in particular were the most brutal human beings I've ever dealt with. I mean, they were just, I would come in, one guy in particular would just scream and swear at me for like an hour and a half. And I loved it. It was great because it really helped me and the band I was working with at the time to really just be focused and get our stuff together. So, you know, I, I like somebody that's really, really hard on me. I think it helps all of us grow. Yeah, absolutely. So if any of you listening take this hard, or whatever, all I can say is try not to. Try to just listen to what we're saying, approach your mix with that in mind and give it another go. So first up, we have uh, the mix of Jason Richardson's Upside Down by Mr. Sean Ferrugia. We'll play a couple of minutes of it and then we will start our crits. by Sean Ferrugia. And I have a bunch of notes that I took on it, um, but I think that we should go a topic at a time. So I'll tell you the first thing I hear, and then we can talk about what you're hearing too. And I, to me, uh, there's two huge issues, or well, three. Um, first of all, there's a ton of frequency masking going on, and we can get into specifics on that. The bass guitar is way too loud. And then the balances, like uh, the 
choice of what is middle ground, foreground, and background is uh, it's just all over the place. Um, what about what are you thinking? Okay, <laughs> this is going to sound harsh, but the entire mix doesn't work at all, in my opinion. And what I mean by that is that if you think about a mix, think about a house, right? You start off with a basement and the basement foundation is poured when concrete, right? And then on top of that goes the wood structure and then the roof and then the rooms and then the drywall, the electric, the you know. So to me, there's no cohesive balance. It sounds, instead of like a mix, I feel like I'm listening to a bunch of random things fly around my head at random times that have no relation to each other. Meaning well, that, the that's, that's the big issue is because there's so much stuff going on in this track that like without it being carved out just right, it's just like a way, like a tsunami of shit, of just it's like musical like stuff. Chaos, yeah. But a good mixer could really polish that. I'm sure Taylor's mix is killer on this, but like- It's unbelievable. What, what happened, I think when he was mixing this is he didn't focus, he didn't get the right foundation. He built on the wrong foundation. And as a result of it, like for example, the bass is like so obnoxiously loud. Um, it completely doesn't gel or fit in at all. And it's not like the tones individually are bad. It's just that nothing works together because the balance is so out of whack that it's almost hard to hear the EQ decisions and the masking. So if he would have built the foundation a little solid, more solid between the drums, the guitar, and the bass, and then started getting with all the fancy like ear candy that comes in and out, I think it would be a much better thing. So I would actually... If I was mixing this and this was my mix, I would just reset all the faders, start just by focusing on those elements and try to really get that down and then come in with all the ear candy and start placing it in because the, to me, the foundation is just completely not there. And it, it's yep. the only way I can think of fixing it. I agree. And I have some specifics on balances that Sean may want to look at. Uh, we talked about the bass guitar being way too loud. And that's number one. But also... The symbols are buried, but inconsistently buried. So I'm hearing the big symbols like China's, you know, on quarter notes or splashes or whatever they are. But on any of the intricate patterns, like when, you know, Luke Holland is a great drummer and he's a very detail oriented drummer. And there's all kinds of detail all over this song. And he does all kinds of really cool patterns between his hats and the ride. And I can't hear any of that. If you compare it to Taylor's mix, that stuff is... It's not very loud, but you can hear and feel everything. At two minutes, there's a tremolo effect on the guitar that's just like, it's not even there. At two minutes, six seconds, when there's big held out chords, they're literally drowning out everything. At 237, the classical guitar is basically drowning in a reverb. You can barely even tell that that's the lead line, that that's the feature in that part. When Tim from Polyphia has his guest spot at three minutes, 30 seconds, you can't even really hear him. And uh, having Tim from Polyphia on the track, like that's obviously meant to be featured. Like that is a big deal, but you wouldn't even know that he's on there. At about four minutes, 30 seconds, I call it the Z part. It's so, it's just not percussive enough. It doesn't jump enough. If you listen to how punchy the kick is on the original, it really, really drives it. But the volume of the bass guitar on this just completely eliminates any of the energy, any of the punch. And, uh, you know, I hear the bass line super loud and it's a cool bass line, but no kick. And so, you know, I could go on and on and on and on, but basically there isn't one moment in the song where the balances aren't somehow messed up. What I would do just to, you know, just to piggyback off of what Joel said is 
for every part in the song, since there is so much going on, it's always changing, go section by section and decide what the most important elements are. What are you supposed to be focusing on? And, uh, you know, you're in luck because there's already a mix done and released that was approved by the artist. So you already, you have a guide already as to what the most important elements are. Don't try to change that. Why, why would you change that? That, um, Jason Richardson already signed off on the original mix. So you know exactly how he's envisioning hearing this. Um, and you always got to keep the artists in mind. Uh, you know, if you're mixing something that hasn't been released, uh, you're kind of doing a lot of guesswork, but when you're doing a nail, the mix, you already have the mix that's been released to use as, you know, I would consider it like a really, really good rough, you know, uh, a really good production mix and use that as your guide. Do you have anything else to add, Joel? I mean, I think that's all spot on. I would say this may seem obvious to some people, but really when you're working with an artist, think about what that artist is famous for. And Jason Richardson is a guitar player, right? And given the other powerful players on the track that have big names, still it's Jason's track. So the song should be about Jason unless there's a feature. And I don't hear that on the balance. Like why is the bass player, right? The bass instrument. And I don't know who played on the track or if it's programmed or whatever, but why is that louder than the, the guitars or Luke or, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like it shouldn't be because that's not what it's like. The spotlight is shined on the wrong thing. And you got to pay attention to who should be in the spotlight on the stage. Only one person can be in the spotlight at a time. Yep. Absolutely. So, I suggest, like Joel said, just zero it out, start all over. I guarantee you that if you focus on this stuff, it'll be better. Hey, everybody. If you're enjoying this podcast, then you should know that it's brought to you by URM Academy. URM Academy's mission is to create the next generation of audio professionals by giving them the inspiration and information to hone their craft and build a career doing what they love. You've probably heard me talk about Nail the Mix before, and if you're a member, you already know how amazing it is. At the beginning of the month, Nail the Mix members get the raw multi-tracks to a new song by artists like Lamb of God, Angels and Airwaves, Knock Loose, Opeth, Meshuggah, Bring Me the Horizon, Gojira, Asking Alexandria, Machine Head, and Papa Roach, among many, many others. Over 60 at this point. Then at the end of the month, the producer who mixed it comes on and does a live streaming walkthrough of exactly how they mix the song on the album and takes your questions live on air. And these are guys like TLA, Will Putney, Jens Bogren, Dan Lancaster, Tui Madsen, Andrew Wade, and many, many more. You'll also get access to MixLab, which is our collection of dozens of bite-sized mixing tutorials that cover all the basics as well as Portfolio Builder, which is a library of pro-quality multitracks cleared for use in your portfolio so your career will never again be held back by the quality of your source material. And for those of you who really want to step up their game, we have another membership tier called URM Enhance, which includes everything I already told you about and access to our massive library of fast tracks, which are deep super detailed courses on intermediate and advanced topics like gain staging, mastering, low end, and so forth. It's over 500 hours of content, and man, let me tell you, this stuff is just insanely detailed. Enhanced members also get access to one-on-ones, which are basically office hour sessions with us, and Mix Rescue, which is where we open up one of your mixes and fix it up and talk you through exactly what we're doing at every step. 
So if any of that sounds interesting to you, if you're ready to level up your mixing skills in your audio career, head over to urm.academy to find out more. Okay, this second mix is by Brecken Phillips. Let's listen. That was the mix by Brecken Phillips. And uh, when I was getting my notes together for this, I actually, I hate to say it, but I had to stop listening to this one because it was really painful. Like the high mids and highs were literally making my ears hurt. And I, I don't mean that in like uh, in a judgmental way. Like I didn't like the mix. It made my ears hurt. Like it literally made my ears hurt. There's a super painful high end in it. You can really tell at about 35 seconds when the band comes in. And I would say that the biggest offenders are the snare and the kick. And so they're not only too loud, but the high end is so jacked on them that like every single time you have a snare hit, it just kind of like hurts my eyes a little bit. What about you, Joel? Okay, I think we agree. I mean, the first thing I noticed right away is the EQ. I mean, aside from the balance being off, you know, and uh, drums in space to bring it back from a couple of years ago. I think what happened is this. He got into it and he EQ'd the kick and the snare so freaking bright and just outrageously transient that he had to bring, crank everything else to match the top in which he still, mm -hmm. the rest of the mix for that level of brightness is actually undercooked, but it's already super harsh and super bright in the guitars as a result of that. And the result is like, it just, it's just way overbearing. So the first step one is take the drums way down in volume, take the top end and roll it back considerably. And then you'll be able to get the guitars, bass and everything else to work together and to sound better. I mean, the drums are just too clicky and disconnected. It's like a good thing to think about is cymbals and drums. Like 
even in like the loudest kick drum snare drum mix I've ever heard in my life that's mixed by an A-lister, it still sounds like a drum kit where the drums are connected to the cymbals and they gel and they lock. When I listen to this, I hear kick drum, snare drum up here and like everything else like way down here. And it's literally, it's just like a kick and snare solo. And again, whose whose song is this? It's Is it Luke Holland's foot in his snare hand? No, it's not. The song is Jason Richardson's song. So <laughs> That's a funny way to put it. You know, we can't just, it's not a kick and snare solo. This isn't drum and bugle core. Have you ever been in a band practice where, you know, the drummer is getting set up and they hit the snare a few times and it literally hurts your eyes like do you know what i'm talking about Absolutely. yeah like you're standing there and it's like oh shit like ugh, it like hurts my face that's what this reminded me of it reminded me of being in a band practice and like physically feeling it in my eyes so that right there is not a good it's not a good sign and um you know i do agree with you about overcooking something and then having to overcompensate like this is something that happens a lot when i'm listening to people's mixes like they'll overcook the low end for instance it'll get unruly and so instead of fixing that they will boost the shit out of the high end and the mids and you end up getting a mix that's not only farty and tubby and unruly but it's also painful like the weirdest the weirdest combination of elements but uh i agree with joel Bring the snare and the kick down, roll off some of those, or just reduce those highs that you boosted and kind of go from there or just start all over with this in mind. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with starting all over. And uh, I remember earlier in the week, uh, there was somebody in the group who was super discouraged about having to start over. And what I was thinking, and I even said this in a comment, was that if... The greatest mixers in the world got discouraged enough to quit whenever they had to start a mix over. There wouldn't be any, those people wouldn't be professional mixers. Like every single great mixer I know, everybody has like some percentage of mixes that they restart. And uh, some of them will tell you that every single mix, just about, or like 90% of the mixes they do. And these are people that you listen to. You love their mixes. Like they don't feel like they really have a mix until they have mixed the song, hated their life and started from scratch. And then that round two is where they feel the mix really comes together. There's some of the very best mixers in the world do that. So when we say to start again, like we don't mean that as a bad thing. Oftentimes that is what you need to do. Anytime I've done it, it comes out better. I have a very good short relevant story. And I'll keep it concise. Um, last Friday, I was mixing a band that's been on, you know, several very large labels and they've worked with mixers like Colin Britton. I mean, they, they've been through the whole big budget gamut and I'm mixing a song for them and they self-produced it and the singer had the wrong vo- uh, mic for the voice. So it took me four hours of mixing and about eight different types of vocal chains that I had to custom create to literally figure out and find the right sound to get this awesome. I wanted to pop my eyes out and smash my head through the wall. But when I got done with it, 
the singer said, this is the best I think I've ever sounded. And I'm just like, oh, so it, I had to restart the vocal mix literally eight times over four hours just to get something that was acceptable to my ear. And then I basically got on the phone and I, I made him spend like $8,000 on a new chain. So next time he sends me a song to mix, we don't have that problem ever again. So perfect timing. That's the thing to do. Anytime you don't like a mix, just make someone spend $8,000. <laughs> he's got to get the right mic and the right, you know what I mean? Like what he's got isn't working at all. Yeah. He's a pro, he, so he's got the money. Yeah, I, I get it. Um, there's, so, you know, we talk a lot about ears first, ears over gear, etc. all that stuff. And while I do very much believe it, gear does matter. And there is a certain point where you're not going to get the result you're after with the wrong gear. Now, that's not to say that, like, if you're sucking, that you're going to not suck if you get different gear. But it's more that uh, if you're going for something very, very specific and you're just not nailing it, it definitely could be a gear issue. It could be. In this case, it definitely was. All yeah. right. Should we jam the Sometimes next one? It is. Yep. Let's move on. Okay. This last one is by Thelmo Rego or Rego, or I'm sorry if I didn't pronounce it right. My bad. All right, here goes. my notes just based off of the intro the low end in this one is uh too big however this thing i was talking about earlier about making the low end too big and then compensating with the high end you can really hear that on the click i mean on the kick because it's way too clicky and uh, what i've noticed when, when people make the low end too big uh, what they do is, yeah, so they'll compensate by adding too much painful high and mid information, and they will make things way too punchy. Like, sometimes 
things can be too punchy. This one is actually so punchy, it's hard to focus. And if you compare it to Taylor's mix, Taylor's mix is actually pretty punchy, but it's nowhere near as punchy as this. It's overall way, way, way warmer. I do feel like the mastering chain is absolutely nuking the shit out of this. What do you think, Joel? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I actually have a slightly different take on the bottom end. So the first thing I noticed is that the mix is pumping a lot. Oh, yeah. um, In terms of like the compression. And then as I start listening and analyzing, the low end is weird to me because for you, it might feel big and punchy, but to me, it feels kind of weak and thin in a weird way, And but it's pumping the mix compressor. So um, I've got a pretty good sub and maybe I just didn't jam it loud enough. I agree with you. Like, I didn't think that it sounded big in like the good way. I just hear a lot of low end information and it's like inconsistent yeah. and unruly. It's yeah. It's like, it, it's something's out of control down there. Um, And then the drums, like the, again, the balance is way off in this mix and a lot of things. It, uh, so if, if we go up the chain here, like um, the drums are super clicky. It's like a kick drum solo almost. But the thing that got me the most is that, um, I like that he balanced with Jason Richardson in mind and made it about the guitar player. But the problem yep. is he overcooked it and made it like the Jason show and for disregarded. It's like a, a mixing for Christian rock radio. It's like band vocals. And um, it's like, well, hold on. Can we just bring the vocalist on a little bit so we can even hear the band? And I feel like the guitars are just swallowing the mix. And as a result, the leads and the guitars, they don't gel and they feel like they're out of space and they're a little bit harsh in the frequency range. So it's a weird combination for me because it's like the drums kind of don't really work and the bottom end is pumping and isn't really working. And the guitars are super loud, but they're a little harsh and they completely like don't gel together in terms of like the space and the ambience. So this is another one where I bring everything back down, hit reset and try to reframe the house and the structure from the beginning. I hate to be three for three today on this, but I, I would readjust the way that I'm approaching this if it were me. Three opportunities to uh, turn these into killer mixes though. It's true. Yeah. Don't get discouraged by hitting reset. I mean, it happens all the time. Yeah. Now, I want to remind everybody that Sean, Breck, and Anthelmo all get a free month of Enhanced on the uh, condition that you take a one-on-one -on -one with uh, Joe Scaletta to talk about this mix and take it to the next level. And in order to claim your month of Enhanced, just go to urmsupport.com and uh, submit a ticket and we will get you that month of Enhanced. If you would like it to be featured, meaning those of you watching, if you want to be on Mixcrypt Monday, the way to get on Mixcrypt Monday is to just post your mix in the Rockticon, and we will pick it out of there. That it's all you have to do. And I realize that it's kind of scary to submit for something like this or to, you know, it's like asking to basically get beat up. But uh, I guarantee you, Sean, Brecken, and Thelmo are all going to be better for it. Do you have any final thoughts on all this, Joel? Yeah, I mean, look, this is a really hard song to mix, period, because it's, you know, like I said, from a production and arrangement point of view, it's almost a dumpster fire. I mean, there's too much shit going on for most genres of music. Obviously, like these guys know what they're doing and they have their stuff super dialed in and they're able to pull it off. But I feel like this would kill 98% of producers. So even being able to sit down and have the guts to get in and try to mix something like this and really putting in the time, I think shows a lot of like strength and courage. And it's a very good and positive thing. So this song kicked your 
butts, but honestly, this song would kick a lot of people's butts. This is not an easy song to mix. This is no. one of the hardest things because it's not like, you know, you've got like a simple Pantera riff and a really nice, simple groove drum beat and a fat bass. You know, you're all over the place with all types of elements and ear candy and intricate parts and it's Shred City. So this is a really, really hard song to mix. It's really challenging. And, you know, at the end of the day, despite how the mix has turned out and where they can improve, it's it takes a lot of like patience to mix something like this. And I think it's a great challenge and that's how you get better by challenging yourself. So you just got to keep working at it and you're going to improve. Yeah, absolutely. I will just echo that. This is definitely some of the hardest stuff you could ever try to mix. So I would not take it too hard, but don't be too hard on yourself. Just try again. Metal is already like the hardest genre on earth to mix. But when you add all these different elements that shouldn't work in a metal song, at this kind of speed, it's a real fucking challenge. Just keep trying. This is the stuff that will make you better. All right. Thanks for watching, everybody. We will see you at the next Mix Crit Monday. I just want to remind everybody that to be on Mix Crit Monday, all you need to do is submit your mix at the Rocktagon. And uh, everyone who we pick is going to get a free month of Enhanced with the condition that they take a one-on-one with Joe Scaletta. We'll see you next time. All right, then, another URM podcast episode in the bag. Please remember to share our episodes with your friends, as well as post them to your Facebook and Instagram or any social media you use. Please tag me at AL Levy URM Audio at URM Academy, and of course, tag our guests as well. I mean, they really do appreciate it. In addition, do you have any questions for me about anything? Email them to me at al at urm.academy. That's E-Y-A-L at U-R-M dot A-C-A-D-E-M-Y. And use the subject line, answer me, al. All right, then. Till next time, happy mixing. You've been listening to the Unstoppable Recording Machine Podcast. To ask us questions, make suggestions, and interact, visit urm.academy and press the podcast link today.